0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Husker cast. We're recording this episode on July 12th, 2017. This is Justin filling in for Patrick. I'm here with my cousins, Derek and Tyler. We have a very special guest this evening from ESPN 1480 in Lincoln, Nick Gregith. Welcome, Nick. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be on with you. I appreciate it. All right. Glad you. to have you, bud. Yeah, thanks for stopping by tonight, Nick. Uh, as a radio host... In Lincoln, doing the sports radio, it can get hectic at times. What can you tell us about the vibe in Lincoln in regards to the state of the program as we head into the 2017 season? Um, Well, state of the program. I'd say, like, people are really optimistic. They're really hopeful.
1: As you guys know, a lot of your national pundits, Las Vegas, ESPN, different places, they've been talking about Nebraska as a six-win team. And then, on the other hand, you've got a lot of local media who have been really pumping up some of the players on the team, the possibilities of having a good season, you know, 9, 10, 11 wins, whatever. And it's 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 weird because people in town are super optimistic and at the same time really pissed off that the rest of the country doesn't have the same optimism. And it's, it's like it's really entertaining to me because – as people hear the next like, you know, six win prognostication come in, they get mad because they hear guys like me or, you know, whoever talking about how Tanner Lee looks really good at practice. He's looked really good for two years. He's not his stats at, you know, Tulane don't necessarily mirror what I think he's gonna do with this team. You got some good young receivers, a guy in Stanley Morgan, who if you look at his stats, they're not impressive. But He's a hell of a player, and I think we all agree he could be super good with this quarterback, with this system, with all these things. You got Diaco, who wears a head-to-toe suit. My guy Tyler Schaefer back there used to wear the same thing when we worked out together, you know, with the shorts (laughs) underneath and the sweatpants suit and the T-shirt over. It's It's a cool look back in the 80s, but he's a good coach. So people are optimistic. They're nervous. They don't understand why national ESPN's
2: hating it. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty fun around here, actually. So, Nick, I, I get why the national media is not about this team. I mean, we, we're not returning a lot of stats. I mean, that's why I mean, we're not returning stats. Right. So I get that. but it, And I get the practice. We look good. But where do you land, dude? Are you on board that we're going to have a breakthrough year? Or are we kind of that 7-8 win team that the media thinks we are?
1: Um, okay. So here's, here's the deal. Uh, the, I've been to, uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, camp. I've been to the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, uh, camp in the fall. I've seen a lot of NFL quarterbacks throw a football. I'm not saying Tanner Lee is going to be a top 10 pick or anything like that. But the first time I watched him throw a football, I turned over to my co-host at the time. This guy looks exactly how you see guys in the NFL at practice. You know, he might just be a career third stringer. I I have no idea. But he's got that, like, polished, throws a really nice football, goes through his progressions, the whole nine yards. So that, right away, you got a quarterback, you're excited, right? And then you start looking at Diaco on the defense. That guy's crazy. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He's crazy but he's also super positive when he's yelling at people and you see the way the guys are reacting to his, his defense and it's easy to get excited about it. I think if Tanner Lee has the year that I personally think from my own eyes, watching him at practice has, I think Tanner Lee could have a year where at the end of the year, he's leaving to go to the NFL. And I think this team's flirting with probably nine or 10 wins somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, that also is saying that they're going to get an upset somewhere but I think nine or 10 wins is probably the sweet spot for this team. And I kind of, that's generally where I like, like them at.
0: So, Nick, uh, recruiting has been a lot of fun this year. Uh, you know, it's been fun under Mike Riley in general, but especially this year. And we've joked on this show, you know, are we recruiting for a seven on seven team? Uh, do <laughs> you think we're meeting our recruiting needs? Um, I do because I think if you look
1: at, uh, first of all, the wide receiver position, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. leaving, um, you got Grim Cherry leaving last year. There's not a lot of of high-end talent on this team. You also add in the fact that you'll have guys leaving in the near future. Stanley Morgan, you know, he's a junior. If he has a huge year as a number one receiver, does he stay, does he go? We don't know. Um, You know, obviously, DeMorna Pearson L with where he's at, so I feel like wide receivers a big need. I'll tell you a story, and this will answer your question about the defensive backs because they've been recruiting a ton of them, right? So yep. here's my story for you. The first year Riley gets hired, that very next NFL draft, I'm down at Longwell's in Lincoln, and I'm having an ESPN party. So Nebraska media is having a party. And I'm sitting at my table, and this guy comes up and goes, can I sit here? I look up and it's Coach Riley. And I was like, hang on, you came to our, our draft party, right? And he sits down, the Chiefs draft Marcus Peters. And Riley looks at me and he goes, he goes, he goes, number one, uh, Marcus Peters is the most talented player I've ever recruited. And he goes, number two, I never did figure out why he flipped from Oregon State to Washington in the last two hours. And he kind of had a laugh. I think we all know that, what that means. And then, uh, and then number three, he goes, you know what's gold in football? Cornerbacks. Cornerbacks are gold in football. Yeah. And he's done nothing but recruit to that. And that's what Riley does. What I'll say about the whole seven-on-seven seven team thing is that on the offensive line, you've got a ton of young talent that they went and got that are redshirt freshmen right now. I'm talking about reared in. Bo Wilson, all these guys. They have high hopes for them. They look good, but they're still redshirt freshmen. So they don't feel like they have a need necessarily, although we all do, right? On offensive line. Yep. And they feel like their big need is cornerback and wide receiver. I totally agree with wide receiver. And if the big man tells me that there's no better currency in football than a lockdown corner, whom I'd argue with him, see uh, Buki right bringing him in and, and all the things they've done this
2: year so so nick, nick, nick i don't know if you saw this today but you know with nebraska recruiting i think a big thing that we think helps us is the fans but there yeah. is a company in omaha that is releasing a bookie shirt that you can purchase and i question and i understand your opinion like Dude, sometimes our fans go a little bit too aggressive, like that needy girlfriend or boyfriend that just keeps calling and calling and calling. Because I kind of get that vibe sometimes from the Nebraska fan base.
1: Um, I mean, I think that can happen. Uh, I always do. You guys remember when Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Rusillo, I can't remember the phrase they used about Nebraska where they said like they were their fan base was like over the top. They said they were ridiculous. I can't remember the exact words they used, but. The fan base in Nebraska is passionate. And I use that word in a in a sense where it's it's that's high regard. If you're a passionate, truly passionate fan base, it means you love your program, you go to all the games, you know we got the sellout streak, all those things. And I feel like the fan base is super passionate. I think that's a case of a person trying to make money off a guy who's stupidly popular right now. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest with you. Like that's I mean, he's a high school kid with a sweet haircut that you're trying to make money off. Of. <laughs> well, I could tell you but, that I,
2: fe- I, could tell you I feel like it is a tool bag, and we're gonna have LeBron James in Lincoln if he ends up decommitting before the season. Like people are gonna be burning that T-shirt in the street. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I don't. I, Buki is uh, that guy's about as as committed as it gets. Like I just from talking to, um, I can't give away who it is, but. I, I got a lot of friends uh, that are coaches down there. And, like, Buki is, like, as in as it gets. Uh, From what they tell me, Josh Moore is, too. I mean, you know, there's the worry about the whole LSU visit. Uh, I'll tell you this. If I was a, you know, high school kid, I knew where I wanted to go, I'd still probably go. I know Arizona State would be on my list because the girls are hot there. (laughs) Um, I'd probably visit Hawaii just because. As long as they paid for it, who cares? Sure. Uh, but then I'd go to the school I wanted to, so I'm not super worried about those guys. I think they'll be all right.
3: I have to say, I want one of those shirts. I think they're badass.
1: What does it look like? I have no idea. I've not seen it yet.
3: <laughs> it's just kind of red and white with a picture of Bookie, and then it's got a like corn cob sticking out the, end, out, the, out the side. And then at the bottom, it says, Make Nebraska Great Again. I mean, that's pretty awesome wow uh, it's a it's a cool looking shirt. I like it
1: i mean i hey look if uh if I had one thrown my way, I'd wear it probably, but I just you know <laughs> kind of how it is, right?
0: Okay, Nick, we were talking about Tanner Lee earlier, and uh so with everything that you've been saying about Tanner Lee, so I'm guessing that this quarterback race is truly over, right?
1: No, yeah, I think it is um. Tanner, I'll tell you, uh, from sitting at practice and watching him, here's something that I picked up on early with him. And you don't hear, like, a lot of this being reported. Maybe maybe you have. I don't know. But uh, so when Tanner got here last year, and he's going through practice and they're doing skeleton, uh, Tanner and uh, Patrick O'Brien would go out and they would, let's say they hit their second read, which, by the way, as a Nebraska fan, yes, your quarterback's going to see a second read. How exciting <laughs> is that? That's <laughs> so, so awesome. But uh, so he, say they throw the ball to their second read, and then Tanner would continue his footwork and making sure that his shoulders were lined up for the rest of his guys uh, through the passing. And then Patrick O'Brien would come out and do the, do the same thing. And I guess what I'm getting at is, is Tanner, Tanner Lee has been getting ready for this moment because NFL scouts think he's a guy that could get drafted. Is that the sixth round or the first round? I have no idea. You know, we've heard different things. But he's really fluid. He's really natural. He gets the why of a play, which I think is the most important thing you can do as a quarterback. That's the foundation. If you think back to that play, and I'm not crumbling on Tommy, but if you think back against Iowa, um, I think it was Iowa a few years ago, where you had the fourth and one, and he had trips left, left, guy on the right, he lobbed the ball down the sideline in single coverage instead of throwing to Seathan Carter wide open. I tweeted out a photo with a circle of, hey, here's the first down right here, wide open, great play call. And uh, Langsdorf got killed over that for some reason. But, like, Tommy never got the why of the play. He just was a guy out there playing street football.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, Tanner Lee gets the why of the play. And then something to watch for him, and it's 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 interesting – There's a smash route, so where you line up with two guys to your left, outside guy runs basically a slant, slot receiver runs a corner, right? And he throws that corner out. That was the touchdown that he threw. Was it Spielman?
0: Right, in the spring game, yeah.
1: The the one that's all over the place. He threw that pass freaking 200 times in, in, in practice, and he hits it. Like, that's his throw. That's his favorite throw. Well, that's a lot during the season. Patrick O'Brien did well too, by the way. I'm sorry, Patrick O'Brien did really well. If if there is a moment where Patrick has to come in, his experience will be most of what the drop off is. Like Patrick O'Brien looked really good uh, at practice. He does a lot of his work down the middle of the field. Uh, you'll see a lot of those tight end seam routes and stuff with him. A lot of guys sitting down. He doesn't go to the boundaries a lot. Like that's where Patrick likes to live. Is is down. Down the middle of the field, which makes sense because he's a behemoth of a human. He's a big <laughs> yeah. old guy, you know, and he doesn't have to worry about getting hit. So, but that's that's where he likes to 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 throw the ball. But yeah, Tanner Tanner's the guy for this job, and I think he's going to end up getting drafted at the end of the year.
3: Derek. So okay, if if he ends up getting drafted after the end of the year, or if he, even if he doesn't, and he ends up playing again next year, are we going to have to worry about either Jebbia or Patrick O'Brien transferring, or do you think they're both? pretty much solid stay in here.
1: Um, it's always a possibility uh, with Jebbia. I can tell you, I got I'll, I'll give you a couple things on this. So with Jebbia, Jebbia came to the university of Nebraska knowing 110% that the target season for him is his junior year. He came in here weighing like, it was like 162 pounds, right? And he's six foot two, six foot three, 162 pounds. This is a pull. And, uh, he came in, and his family and uh, Jebia, and the strength and conditioning staff, coaching staff, they had a plan for him that if the plan plays out, his junior year he'll be about 215 pounds, and he'll be ready to, you know, he'll have the arm strength now, and he'll be ready to go. Um, if he's ahead of schedule, that'll be awesome. With Patrick O'Brien, that's like the real enigma because there's always the rumors around him. Um, I've been told that there's not a huge worry about him transferring. I know that's, there's been a lot of talk about it. Uh, from what I've been told, that's like a media fan thing, not a Patrick O'Brien thing. Uh, that being said, we're talking about... We were like back then, it, you know, anything could happen.
0: Okay, let's uh, talk about the running game real quick. Uh, for one, are we going to have one? But even better, do you think we'll have a, a thousand-yard rusher this year? Um, I think I'm one of the only guys in the local media that thinks we will. Uh, most people think that we're going to have a
1: big, like conglomerate of you know committee of guys running the football. I think Ozigbo is going to be your big back. He's the you can call him the number two, number three, whatever you want to call. He's going to be your big back that comes in when you need him for goal line or for uh short yardage. Um, Will Bond, unfortunately he's a talented dude. He's shown a ton of practice, but Will Bond's a guy that um, he can't, there's about six plays he gets and then the rest of them are tough. Like he just can't it, for whatever reason, he just can't wrap his brain around the playbook mm. with, with um, Trey Bryant. Trey Bryant's a super talented kid, but don't overlook that injury he had where he missed the bowl game. Um, From what I've heard, the, the, the severity of that injury, like when you see him at practice and I joke around about this, but I also found out a lot of the players give him like a hard time about this. Sorry. Uh, He's got prison muscles. Like he's like the upper (laughs) body is ridiculous. And then he can't squat right now. So his lower body's a little smaller That said, he runs with authority. I personally think Trey Bryant, because of his pass uh, blocking skills, he's the best pass blocker on the team. He's going to end up about probably three, four games in. He'll start being the guy that's on the field, you know, for 40 snaps a game. I think he gets to a 1,000 yards on this team. Um, And also, I think they're going to pass the ball a lot, which will make it so that it opens up for him because last year – defenses had eight in the box defense worried about the run made it hard, you know, tougher sledding, didn't have a quarterback that could take advantage of that. So it made it tougher sledding for him. I think this year is going to be the opposite. I really think it's going to be spread out and he's got there. He'll average like five, five and a half yards uh, per game. And people are going to be pissed that he's not running the ball ball enough without understanding that it's because of the passing offense that he's seeing the room that he's getting. If that, if, if that makes sense. Yes. Time.
2: Nick, first of all, we're we're a PG thirteen show, so you can say shit on this. So oh, good. You're okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> hey, but no. Hey, just, uh, morning, just, fellas. Yeah, morning, we should.
1: PG thirteen. PG thirteen means seventeen seconds of nudity. i just gonna yeah. throw
3: that out there. <laughs> Stick around. You won't get here, that here. So. <laughs> Remember you know, we the don't, don't have
2: Patrick on tonight. We, you're not going to see it without Remember Patrick. The
1: movie When uh, Kate Winslet showed her boobs, that was 17 seconds. Like, I'm just saying, Shader, if you want to take your shirt off, go ahead.
2: I I remember. But, uh, no, so (laughs) you you talked about the running game, dude. And and I I hear you. I think Bryant is going to be a good athlete. But do you think these coaches are going to be allowing Bryant to get the carries? I mean, even if the skill set matches, even if he is the guy. Because I look at Zigbo. I look at Will Bond. And and I just there's this little bit in my head that says, yeah, th- they're going to do a running back by committee this year. The talent level what is too close for that to happen. Am, am I if I had too many whiskeys tonight, or uh, is my on the right?
1: <laughs> I I tell you, I could use a whiskey right now. Um, you know, again, I'm I'm in the minority, and I want to stress that I personally think that uh, you're going to see Trey Bryant take the job over. But the, part of the reason why is because Tanner Lee is going to be a guy that, again, this is going to be all new for people, but Tanner Lee will line up. And if, let's say there's six in the box instead of, you know, seven or eight, he'll audible to a draw. We saw so many draw plays during camp this year and in, in spring camp. Uh, and he'll audible to that. You'll get a good, you know, amount of yards, whatever. But I, Trey Bryant... Not only is he able to do more of the playbook, but he's also a really accomplished pass blocker. Uh, that was the first thing he showed on his his uh, recruiting video was his pass blocking. And I think because of that, I think he's going to be in a lot. Like, I think he's going to be in a lot during the season. Uh, out of those three backs, like, Ozigbo is a really poor pass blocker. Um, it's like, I'm, I don't mean to, I'm not bagging on him, but he's a poor pass blocker. And when he's in, go back and look last season. More times than not, you're running the football. Um, so it's one-dimensional. Defenses pick up on that. Uh, Will Bond can do some things, but he doesn't get the playbook. And I don't know what it is that makes it so hard for him because he has these moments where he flashes at practice. But you can't throw a player on the field that halfway through the year teams realize that your tendencies with him on the field is about 12 plays. You know what I mean? So I really think unless this kid uh, from Omaha comes in and shows something or wild cards Mazor, boys, don't sleep on Mazor. That kid is yeah. – he didn't just take a picture with Danny Woodhead for no reason. That Mazor kid can play. and I he, would be surprised. he was fun to watch. Dude, I'm not going to – I won't be surprised if he's doing uh, kick returns and you see him quite a bit on the field by by as the season goes on because he's always running with a low pad level. And he's just getting you yards, and he does all the little like. He's not great, but he's good at a lot of stuff.
0: How tall is, is that guy?
1: I I I don't know. I'm five ten, and he's shorter than me, so I don't know. He's like I want to say like five seven, maybe on a good. Is, hand.
2: is
0: he that tall? Okay. I. Yeah, so he's five I'm inches
2: good. taller than Derek.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds mean.
0: <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> Schaefer, oh, don't make me go into uh, flag football. Uh, um you know, amazing plays you made, bro, because they but, I don't think these guys realize they're with a flag football legend in you.
2: <laughs> Stories for another day. Stories for another day.
1: <laughs> hey, good dodge. Way to go. You're hmm. like Neo
0: right now. <laughs> Somebody has some explaining to do after this show here. <laughs> So, Nick, uh, we brought in Bob Diaco, and we're going to be transitioning to the 3 4 defense. What concerns do you have on defense as far as position groups go?
1: Oh, my God. Um, My number one concern is who's going to pass, like pass rush. Um, You got guys. Uh, Davis is a guy that they're going to rely on. Um,. You know, you, you, the, the thing is, and the reason they went to him is because they had no pass rushers. Like, mm. they have no pass rushers on this team. So, Diaco's going to have to be really creative and figure out how is he going to get to the quarterback. It's going to have to be disguised. 3-4 is really good at that. And then you've got a talented secondary, so use those guys. I think you're going to see a lot of Kalu blitzing. Um, you're going to see a lot of blitzes from, like, the Nickelback. And it's going to be a real creative blitz scheme get out of here cuz it's they don't have, have a lot of pass rushers right now um but the 3-4 like i said it's it's they do a nice job of disguising blitzes and that's why they had to go to it
0: so so with the 3-4 defense here do you think uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more th- uh, 4-3 if uh, we don't have the playmakers to make it happen do you see that happening
1: ah uh, Diaco's really, uh, really loves his three-four. Um, I think you could. They're, they're actually. Uh, uh, yeah, at practice. I don't. I don't want to get yelled at. Um, at practice, they did a lot of five-two. Uh, they did a lot of. There's a lot of different things that they did that they didn't show in the spring game. Um, and it, there's gonna be like I'm telling you, you're gonna see some exotic blitzing like the. Defensive backs are going to get after the quarterback. The guy that I think I'm most interested in from the linebackers, if you look at the linebackers as a group, is how are they going to keep Mo Berry off the field? Because you got Chris Webber, who I just I was just talking to yesterday, actually. And uh, Chris, he's, he's going to be really good in this defense, tackle machine. Kind of reminds you of Zach Thomas a little bit, not just because he's white. And then... <laughs> You got on the other side, Young's been battling a few things like injuries during the la- during the summer here. Um but Mo Berry did nothing but make plays all of camp. Like nothing but make plays. Interceptions, fumbles, tackles, the whole nine yards. And but that but the thing is, he's behind two guys that got a little bit of tenure over him. So I'm curious to see uh i'm I'm curious to see what goes on with the middle linebackers and how mo barry gets in because that kid's a playmaker he's a star in the making uh we'll see where he gets to and then on the outside um like i said i think davis ends up playing well he had the injury this year that i reported on it ended up not being as bad as what they initially thought they they took him in it what's the had that Demorne morning L had that was real bad. Uh, they thought he had that and then they got him in. He was, he was better. He'll get back to camp healthy just in time for camp here in a few weeks, but he's a big part of this and he's the guy we got to watch.
3: Nice. Derek. So, so I, I seen a lot in the spring practice where it seemed like the defense was adapting to this three, four defense really well. And it sounded like they were playing really well against our offense and I had this conspiracy theory, and this is my conspiracy theory only, that the reason we didn't show anything in the spring game was because we didn't want our offense to look terrible in the spring game.
1: <laughs> no, Diaco is—he's uh, worried about people knowing what his team's doing. Uh, can I tell you? Can I tell you a couple stories about Diaco? Do you want to hear a couple of Diaco stories? Absolutely. I would love to hear. Idea why? Okay, so um, I mentioned this on my radio show. But during things, uh, during uh, Valentine's Day, uh, the the these there's these ladies that sit out in front of the strength conditioning room. Nice ladies, they make cupcakes for all the grad the grad uh, students, all the coaches that are there that are working for free. Diaco walks in and sees them. asks them what they are. She tells him. He throws them away because his, his grad students don't eat cupcakes. Like that's so funny. <laughs> And then uh, one of the days he walked into the weight room and he walks up and he sees this guy lifting and he's not very happy with the weight that he's lifting. So he's yelling at him and he's like, you got to lift more, man. Team needs more out of you. You know, like whether you're a walk on or a scholarship player, you, you got to get after it, all these kind of things. It was the kicker. And like, <laughs> and he didn't realize. And, and like Brown just turns around and goes, bro, I'm the kicker, man. And like, he's, he is a, uh, I, I like Diaco is the most intense. Like if Bo yells at you and tells you you're stupid, Diaco will yell at you at the same intensity to tell you how smart you are.
0: Nice. Like that.
1: That's how I would describe Diaco. And he's just, I don't know, man. He's a, he's a cool dude. Like he's funny. Uh, he's a little crazy. He's a lot of hands on. And, um, I'll tell you, the other thing, too, is you guys move forward, keep an eye on. His hands are all over this program. Like, Diaco got here, how many months ago was it? Like, four, four? five, yeah. something like that. Diaco, his, like, ideas and personalities, like, permeate throughout the program. And I know there's a lot of local media think that's because he's an next in line to be a head coach. I don't know if that's true or not. But Diaco has got his like hands are all over this program right now, all the way down to the conditioning. They're all over the program,
2: so Nick, so when you say the hands over the program are you are you talking about I, I get the conditioning, but i I feel like I haven't heard his name on the recruiting trail. Is he kind of a a home guy getting his infrastructure in place and letting the Williams go out and recruit and the you know yeah is that is that kind of
1: his role? Yeah, man, he's Wade Davis. He comes in to lock it down, like you know what I mean. Like, although after the All Star game, that's a bad reference. But he's a uh, he's he's a closer. Like, he'll, he'll the guys come on campus, he closes that. If there's a big name he's got to talk to, he does. Uh, Diaco's more worried about the X's and O's of things. Um, and then, of course, with Coach Elliott passing away, he's been busy lately with that too. But um, he's uh he's a closer. He's not a guy that goes out. You get you're paying a lot of money to, you know, Coach Dub and Coach Will.
2: So, so Nick, you you mentioned Elliot passing, and obviously that's a tragedy, you know, in the sports world, especially the Husker land. And and I don't know how much interaction you had with the man, but what what kind of uh um, what kind of presence did he make on the team in his short amount of time?
1: Um, I'll tell you the. From the guys that I know, um, I've been really lucky. I get to go work out a lot with some of the players, so like I get to hear about you know coaches. I get to hear stories about them. A lot of them I don't share on the air, you know, whatever. But um, Coach Elliott was always a guy that everybody would talk about in like a glowing manner. Um, at practice, he would always walk. You know, if the if the if the, if the wherever Riley was he'd be on the opposite side. So if Riley was with the offense, Elliot would be on the, on the defensive side and he'd be in the back and he would always walk around with his hands behind his back and he'd go up and kind of show players what to do and all that stuff. And I always go back to his quote and I thought it was the best. Um, when he first got hired where he said, you know, when my players tell me what their goals are, that becomes my goals. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, a lot of coaches will come to you and say, Tyler, I want you to play defensive line for me. I want to have the number 10 ranked, you know, or less uh, defensive line in terms of stopping the run. I want to do all these things. I, 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 um, And then you're going to do it. Whereas this coach would come to you and say, what is your goal? Do you want to be an NFL player? Do you want to be a car salesman? Do you want to be whatever it is? And he would then make that his goal. Like he'd work with him on that. And that was what the players kind of always, you know, told me before he, passed away and then you kind of saw that through twitter with how the players reacted so you know just a brief time in nebraska that's kind of the sense i got from him and from the players about him and he was a very special person
0: obviously absolutely nick uh you brought this up a little bit earlier uh about the uh pulling upset so outside of ohio state because i don't think anybody thinks that we're going to Will upset Ohio State. What is the worst shot we have at pulling an upset this year?
1: Worst shot at pulling an upset besides Ohio State. Um, man, I can't count. So, can I tell you the 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 two games that I'm most worried about for our for the Nebraska Cornhuskers? Absolutely. I really hate Penn State Iowa. How that sets up because you go to Penn State. And then you come home against a team in Iowa that everybody's expecting you'd be fired up for. Those guys are being, you know, dickheads to you the last, like, during that game. You mm-hmm. didn't have your quarterback. You didn't have any of that stuff. No one's playing well. They're gloating in the end zone. You're going to have, after going to Penn State and playing a physical team, you're going to have four days to turn around and play Iowa at home. I hate that. And Iowa's got a damn cupcake that week before that. It's not an upset. I'm not going to say pull an upset to beat Iowa because Iowa is beneath Nebraska. Like, (laughs) it's never an upset. But (laughs) that game annoys the crap out of me that that's how that thing played out. Like, that just annoys the crap out of me that that's how they end up. They go to Penn State and then have to play Iowa. That just annoys me.
2: Nick, Nick, you, you may be one of the few people in the world who hates Iowa as much as I do. Oh, that
1: that state is a freaking landfill. Like, there's no reason for it to be there other than we put our crash there and then they calm people into living on it. Like, it's ridiculous.
0: (laughs) All right. right. Uh, So, Nick, just to to, uh, conclude here, what expectations do you have coming from for this uh, 2017 season?
1: Um, I think the team's going to be good. I think they're going to win around nine games, nine or 10 games. Uh, the sky is the limit for this team in terms of recruiting. Um, I will say that I don't, I don't personally, um, I want to word this right. I don't blades is not coming to the university of Nebraska. Uh, neither is Watts. That hurts. Uh, hopefully they'll be here after they go through a year of junior college. um, So I think there's got to be – you'll see – you guys are asking me earlier about recruiting. You'll see an extra cornerback taken because of that. But I think this team's going to be good. I think they're going to end up around 9 or 10 wins. And then depending on what happens with Tanner Lee at the end of the season, next year is either going to be super special or we'll be talking about the Patrick O'Brien, you know, his first year as a starter. And I think there'll be a lot of excitement because the best thing they're doing – is they're filling up that quarterback room with stupidly talented players. So it's uh, it's. I think things are looking up. It's just I think people have to see the forest for the trees and understand it's going to take a minute. But once it gets there, with the recruiting that they're doing, as these kids become sophomores,
0: juniors, seniors, it can be good. Nick, you touched on Elijah Blades there, and I just want to ask one thing here. Uh, is that the reason for all the crystal balls for Houston Griff- Griffith, or do you mean a- another defensive back after that?
1: Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they get another defensive back after that. But, yeah, I don't – from everything I've heard, uh, Elijah Blades is already going to be in uh, community college, um, which is unfortunate. You know, I was rooting for him to get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, very talented. You know, you, six-foot-three corners don't grow on trees. But I also will say the staff is the type of staff that will keep – in touch with him they'll stow him away somewhere and then hopefully we'll see him here
0: down the road all right well uh nick thank you so much for your time tonight this was a hell of a lot of fun hope we got to do this some other time maybe but, hey anytime uh, you guys want to awesome all right fun, well man. uh thanks and uh everybody follow the husker cuz cast on facebook and on twitter at husker cuz Drop us a comment, good or bad. You can catch all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll be back next Wednesday, and as always, go Big Red.